This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Nine games in, and this team has already matched. That's right, matched its win total from last season. And eight wins has put this team back atop the NFC standings. And that's what truly matters, not some power poll. As we say good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. Eight and one after disposing of the San Francisco 49ers 31-17, to sweeping the Niners here in 2021. And Kyle, that was about as great of a performance as you could get from an offense and defense and special teams, considering you just played this team a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it, it was a completely different looking team, really both sidelines because of players missing, because of players coming back. Um, and coming into the game, um, you know, I had my concerns, um, as did any Cardinals fan. You know, you don't have Kyler Murray, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, you don't have A.J. Green, you're missing a few coaches. Um, but as they have done over and over this season, this team steps up in the face of adversity and doesn't blink. And this is what encourages me about what's going to happen later in the season because that's what December football is. It's it's adversity, players going down, players stepping up, players filling in. And, um, you know, this team, like I said, they just move forward. Each week is very businesslike, take the same approach in practice, and you're seeing the same results in the games. And don't forget, MJ, Chase Edmonds, first offensive snap of the ball game, done for the rest of the game. Justin Pugh on the second series gets hurt. He's done for the rest of the game. That's five offensive starters, yet still 30-plus points, 400-plus yards of offense for the fifth time in nine games this season. Yeah, and, you know, we always talk about, and, and the players talked about it last week, you know, good teams don't lose two in a row. And obviously there's familiarity when you play a team in week five and, you know, kind of cut the game plan down a little bit. But the fact is that, you know, a lot of people are thinking, you look at Kingsbury's record in the second half of the season, this team is different built. I mean, I, I you can go back and look at numbers, but this is a totally different team. They're They're competitive. Um, they're really one week at a time, so it's really impressive. I mean, the fact that, you know, you going in that game and, and really the Niners were thinking, all right, let's get back on track. They had lost four in a row, and they go to Chicago and beat the Bears, looked impressive, got the running game going, their defense got to the quarterback, and all of a sudden the Cardinals were up 17 nothing. They are obviously 14 points in the first quarter, so I just like the way this team competes. They're resilient, and, you know, we always hear next man up, and you got to give a lot of credit credit to the coaching staff because these guys get a ton of reps in in the offseason and training camp. Don't forget about the defense as well. Five sacks, eight quarterback hits, seven tackles for loss, three takeaways, and the offense converted two of those takeaways into ten points. Here's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Just resilient no matter who's 
stepping in there. They're, they're playing at a high level and trying to hold the standard to what it is. And, and it's just fun to be around these guys, man. They bring juice every day of practice. They have fun. They're competitive when they go against each other. And that was a heck of an effort by this group. We've heard Kyle a lot, next man up. It's preached every year by teams, yet it only gets talked about in the positive when you're winning. And those guys that are reserves and get thrust into a spotlight, then okay, they make sure that the standard is continues to be met. But it does mean something to those guys that are on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity that they're not wasting that opportunity. Absolutely. I, I mean, I can't point to a time when a player had to suddenly go in the game and he was a liability, um, which you will see all across the league week in and week out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a tremendous credit um, not only to the players uh, but to the coaches for getting these guys ready, um, to Steve Keim and, and his staff. Uh, for getting the right kind of guys in this locker room, not only talent-wise, uh, so there's no drop-off, but um, knowing what type of players they are and how they prepare and how they study and that they can be ready at a moment's notice. Yeah, I mean, I go back to the game when they had Chase Whitaker, Antonio Hamilton, and Robert Alford, Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy and out. And what can you say? We really didn't talk about Sean Harlow in training camp. He's bailed this out, team out a few different times now. He can play guard. Uh, he was the long snapper. Um, he can play right guard. Um, he was a center at some point, you know, he, even though, you know, he's third string. But, yeah, again, they get a ton of reps, and, and Sean Kugler, and, and they got a really good coaching staff. These guys get coached up during the week, and they practice during the week hard. And, and when it comes to Sunday, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but they put the work in during the week, and that's why we're seeing the, the um, upside. Uh, upside uh, on Sundays. A lot of players contributed to that 31-17 win on Sunday. Let's take you inside the Cardinals locker room exclusively, azcardinals.com, as head coach Cliff Kingsbury honors some players. Great effort from the start. Had a great week of practice. We got back in our process. I knew we were going to play well. You played your ass off. Game balls with two fumble recoveries. Number 58, Jordan Hicks. With two rushing TDs, one receiving, and now the NFL's leader in touchdowns, James Conner, number three. Wow. Number 26, Eno Bishop. With a career high three sacks, number 44, Jump. This dude shows up every day, grinds, works his ass off. He told me when we signed him, I was telling him, hey, you'll be a great mentor, do all this. And he's like, hey, man, I can still play. Colt McCoy, great. Yeah. Last but not least, this is a big one, fellas. Now the all-time sack leader in the history of the Arizona Cardinals. That is head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Six game balls handed out following the 31-17 victory. And let's focus right now on just one of those game balls, and that went to backup quarterback turned starter for one week and potentially more. We'll have to wait and see. No definitive updates on Kyler Murray, according to the head coach. But Colt McCoy gets in for that game. He got all the first-team reps during the week, and that was a standard, as we talked about, that just stayed 
the same regardless of who was under center for that game. Really impressed with the game plan. I mean, you know, after the game, Colts said we knew that they're going to bring the blitz. They can rush forward without blitzing. And, and one thing I noticed that was different from Kyler, he was stepping up in the pocket. And Kyler sometimes drifts, and he has the ability to get out of, uh, of traffic. But the way they ran the screen game, the way they moved Connor over, I, I thought it was, you know, was, I was uh, – I guess I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised with the completion percentage and the fact that he had three design runs. Uh, I just thought it was a great game plan. And, you know, early in the week, you thought maybe they're going to change their offense. According to Kingsbury, they really didn't change a lot. Um, And and without Hopkins and A.J. Green, it, it was fascinating. Boy, did he pass the high test. Four incompletions for Colt McCoy. 22 of 26, 249 yards and a touchdown. At one point, he had 10 straight completions during those five straight scoring drives, and it was seamless. You lose a Kyler Murray, and then all of a sudden, here comes Colt McCoy, yet there wasn't much of an adjustment or a change offensively. No. Um, Colt McCoy looked like he'd been running this offense all season, and again, um, you know, tremendous credit to him um, in his preparation, in his approach, um, in his poise. Um, you know, this moment, I mean, he's obviously he's started a lot of games in this league, um, but this moment wasn't too big for him, and he went out there and, uh, and executed. And, um, again, you know, tremendous credit to Cliff and his play calling. Um, he seemed to dial up the screen pass at the perfect moments when the blitz was coming. Um, and, you know, got Colt some, some, you know, easier throws to start with. But, again, he was making throws down the field as well. Um, and, and, like Mike said, his completion percentage, I mean, um, you know, just so efficient. And the fact that he didn't make really any errors to speak of. I mean, no poor decisions, no poor throws. He had good ball security. He was getting hit, you know, a few times. And, and he knows sometimes you just got to take the sack and go down and live and play another down. And that's what you get when you bring in a veteran backup quarterback. Yeah, he was sacked twice, hit five additional times. Props to the offensive line. More from head coach Cliff Kingsbury on the game plan with Colt McCoy as the starter. We ran the same stuff. You know, he, he understands the offense inside and out. There wasn't anything we held back. I just made sure he was comfortable with the, the plan. You know, when you get a veteran like that, he's been in the league. I mean, they, they have strong feelings towards plays and play design and so we made sure we had great communication they had a plan that he felt comfortable with now i did count three design runs for colt mccoy so he did show a little bit of a kyla murray and then the other difference is him being under center on third and one fourth and one to me kyle that is just such a no-brainer i know kingsbury doesn't agree with me but Make it simple, and Colt McCoy obviously a little bit bigger than Kyler Murray, but that's just being smart with a quarterback who's been in this league now 12 seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, also other wrinkles I liked. I liked the Strebler package. Look, we didn't – it was only two plays. Uh, there was no huge gainers on it. But anytime you put something like that on film and you bring in a completely different look where an offense can run completely different plays – Teams are going to spend time preparing for that this week. They always got to be alert for that. They got to, you know, assume certain things when that package comes on the field. Um, but, you know, I, I love how they're sprinkling in things. Um, you know, in a game like this, conventional wisdom says, like, look, we got to run the ball. We got to eat up some clock. We got a backup quarterback. We're missing two of our top targets. And that's not what this offense looked like. And the fact that they're still rolling out trick plays, you know, it wasn't a safe game plan. They're, um, they did, you know, execute their complete offense, and, and it's going to help them down the road when they do those types of things in games like this. 
Kyle, when when a quarterback's under center and the running back's coming through, what's the difference when somebody's in the gun? When when he's under center, the guy gets there a little bit quicker? Yeah, he's, he's, you know, especially the inside zones and some of those power runs, the running back is getting a more direct downhill run to start. He's got a little bit better vision when he's um, offset, the shotguns and quarterback, and there's really only so many runs, um, and he doesn't really get ahead of steam entering the line of uh, scrimmage. Um, and so, you know, particularly like you were talking about, um, when a quarterback is under center on short yardage, it really gives the running back more of an advantage because of how he's approaching the line of scrimmage and his vision and, and being able to see the whole field as opposed to coming from the side and really only seeing front side and having to turn his head to get backside. Right, Cardinals ran the ball very, very well, passed the ball very, very well. Here's the quarterback, Colt McCoy, on being able to get into rhythm very early in the game. I thought Cliff called a great game. He got me in a rhythm early, got me some completions early. It kind of slowed down for me, and, and uh, I felt good. You know, I told the offensive line, like, look, I'm I'm getting the ball out. Receivers, I'm getting the ball out. I'm not going to hold on to this ball and take sacks. And then when we did some play action and took our shots, they worked, and we hit, hit on a couple of screens that worked, and we found a way to win. The highest completion percentage of Colt McCoy's career and the second-best single-game total in franchise history – being 22 of 26, but getting that ball out quickly, that was also by design because of the 49ers' defensive front. There's no doubt, and we know that they got a chance to uh, hit Kyler in the first game, and that was the game plan going in. And again, I like the fact that, you know, like I said, he didn't drift as much. He would move the pocket a little bit to set himself up for the screen. And he was baiting those guys, knowing they were coming with, a, with four-man pressure or somebody was coming on the outside. He would wait long enough to bait them a little bit and then throw that screen pass and the yards after catch on these screen passes I mean it was you know a six or seven yard screen pass all of a sudden becomes a 20 yard gain and that's yards after catch and and I like the fact that they used the entire field they weren't just working the middle of the field. One other notes on the Cardinals passing game Christian Kirk earlier on Tuesday noted that he hyper extended his thumb on the play before his completion to Antoine Wesley and that completion the first of his pro and college career last time he completed a pass he was playing at Scottsdale Swirl High School so Christian Kirk making sure that as he said quote I always knew I could throw well maybe he's making a case for the emergency quarterback here in 2021 Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like the Dave Pash Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We touched on the Cardinals running game. We'll dive into that even more on the other side. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. side he breaks a tackle at the 10 to the 5 and into the end zone for the touchdown James Connor from 13 yards out and the Cardinals strike first here in Santa Clara a great read by James Connor touchdown and the bloody nose snap to McCoy and off Connor up the middle plows forward into the end zone for the touchdown second of the day for James Connor lower the plow and hit the gas baby snap to McCoy 
In trouble as he backs up, and it's a screen to the right to Connor. He's caught it at the 40, turns right to the 30, back to the left of the 20. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. James Connor with his third touchdown of the day. This one through the air, and the Cardinals lead at 23 to 7. The first three touchdown game of James Conner's career, part of a 31-17 effort as the Cardinals went into San Francisco and beat the 49ers to improve to 8-1. and one. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Rio, Luke Kyle Vandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki, and let's touch on James Conner's big day. 173 scrimmage yards. He finished with 96 yards on the ground, 77 yards as far as catching the football. More impressive running, MJ, or his receiving skills on display? Well, I got to say the running. Uh, and it was nice to have Rodney Hudson back. I mean, Rodney Hudson was getting to that second level. You, you see a setter down the field like 15 to 20 yards. One of those plays, <clears throat> excuse me, was with Sean Harlow. So, yeah, I, I think we are all wondering how he can catch the ball in the backfield, but he had, what, six catches for 77 yards. He he had 27 touches for 173 yards and three touchdowns, but wow. I mean, and the, I mean, the way he runs, he's like a bully, and no, we're not talking about short-yarded situations, and, you know, when he gets in the red zone, it's almost automatic now. And when Chase Edmonds goes down, obviously someone needs to step up, and now all of a sudden all the attention is on James Conner, and he certainly wanted that and certainly fed off of it and got better as the game went on. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, listening to Wolf and Pash during the game, they're exactly right. I think the surprising thing about his game was how he moves in space. Like, he, he showed quickness, agility. He's got some shake to his game. Everybody expected this north-south downhill runner, which he certainly can be. Um, but he can, you know, make a guy miss, too. Um, he's very elusive. He's got a good stiff arm. Um, and, and I mean, he makes, you know, again, Cliff, you know, talks about this too. He's surprised how good of a receiver he is. And he may have more one handed catches than anybody else on this team. I mean, he makes it look simple. And, um, you know, I think that this was just a tremendous find. And like you said, he's the type of running back that gets stronger throughout the course of a game because the defense gets wore down and he doesn't. He keeps bringing it and looks the same first quarter to fourth quarter. But when he's running that hard in the fourth quarter, sometimes it's tough to get him down. You brought up head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Let's hear from the head coach as far as what he anticipated this team getting when they signed James Conner back in April. He's way more than we expected. I, I, I loved him as a player, as a physical downhill back. The toughness you can see, and this is just watching from afar. When we got him here in training camp, I saw the route running ability, the hands, the quick twitch, the uh, intensity day in and day out. And so it's just been an honor to work with him, and he had a heck of a day. Three touchdowns, giving him 11 total touchdowns this season. That is the most in the National Football League. His 10 rushing touchdowns tied for the most with Derrick Henry, who obviously is likely done for the rest of the season. But his ability to find the end zone, MJ, has been phenomenal all season long. And obviously he was needed on all three of those touchdowns on Sunday. Yeah, and the fact that you know Edmonds went down the first play of the game and he admitted after the game, yeah, I knew that my I was going to get a heavier load, 27 touches. I mean, that's bell cow stuff. And you said, well, what, what, which was better, running or the passing? But the way he was catching those balls and in, in, in the screen passes in the flat, and, you know, guy's going to make a business decision, and they didn't want to tackle him in the open field. So, yeah, I mean, it's – again, we we know Chase Edmonds is a guy that's dual, and you can have Connor in the backfield and throw the ball to Edmonds, but I think they're interchangeable uh, when Chase comes back. 
Connor averaged 4.6 yards a carry. The team, 4.2. A lot of that was because the offensive line in particular, MJ, you mentioned it earlier, Rodney Hudson back anchoring that offensive line. Here's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, on his starting center. Getting Rodney back, the way he leads that, that offensive line group in the push, how stout he is in, up front. Um, you know, we had some other guys go down in that line and uh, the usual suspects stepped back up and, and kept it rolling. So it was a, a total group effort, and that, that group up front really played well. Justin Pugh goes down early in the first half. Max Garcia, who started at right guard for James or for Josh Jones, went down at some point in the game, and Jones ended up coming back and playing right guard for the bulk of the second half. Interchangeable parts and five different offensive line combinations over the last seven games, Kyle, and you want that anchor as far as Rodney Hudson, but it is nice to be able to have his – and Sean Kugler brought this up in training camp. He believed he had ten starters the ability to go with whomever if someone went down. Yeah, that's been really crucial through this first part of the season, Um, being able to plug guys in. um, Really, there's no position that's harder to plug a backup in than any of the offensive line positions. Center specifically, um, there's just so much to it and how you work with the guy next to you and and how you can recognize blitzes and stunts and, and pick them all up and and whoever's in there, whichever combination they have in there, continues to get the job done. And, um, you know, when you see a, a short screen pass or you see a short pass that goes for 20-30 or breaks for a touchdown and everybody wants to give either the running back or the receiver credit, I mean, watch this team and how they block downfield. There's offensive linemen downfield. There's receivers that are blocking. I mean, it's truly all 11 guys are giving all-out effort to break some of these long catches these short short passes that turn into long receptions because of the yards after the catch offensive line did its job no matter who was running the football let's talk a little bit about Eno Benjamin who got an opportunity on Sunday Chase Edmonds gone James Connor needed a breather a time or two and Benjamin nine carries 39 yards including his first career NFL touchdown here's the head coach on the former ASU Sun Devil He's a fan favorite. Uh, yeah. To see how far he's come on and off the field from last year when he was just a young guy figuring it out to this year and, and how he approaches practice and how he works. And, and they know when he touches the ball, anything can happen, and, and he made it work. Benjamin inactive all of last season, inactive the first four games this season, and six of eight games this year. He's only played in two contests, yet he's always at the ready and I think learned a valuable lesson sitting and watching a year ago. Yeah, I don't mean to be redundant, but we had him on the Red Sea Report in training camp, and he told us he had to sit down with conversation with, with Steve Kime, and Kime believed in him. He just said, I need you to you know maybe work a little bit harder. I don't think it was more physical. It was more mental and then in the offseason we started to see the upside and so and now with chase down i think he's going to get a good opportunity but i love the way he trucked over drake or patrick it's one thing to do that but another thing is to score a touch on that play we see guys you know truck a guy or you know, run him over but usually get tackled the fact that he was able to keep his um, his legs were chopping and he got in the end zone i was thoroughly impressed and i give him a ton of credit because he worked hard and you know jonathan ward's more of a special teams guy We'll see where he's at. But I, I think that you're going to see 
uh, Eno get some reps just to take some of the pressure off of Connor. We could see both guys in the backfield together because I think Eno's a little bit more like Chase, and I think Ward's a little bit like more like Connor and Chase where he's a little bit bigger back. According to Kingsbury, Edmonds not expected to play this week, and then, quote, we'll just take it from there. Jonathan Ward had a concussion going back to the previous game against the Green Bay Packers. Don't know his availability this week, so that does leave James Conner, Eno Benjamin, and then Tavian Feaster, who is on the practice squad. So you wait for that opportunity, and when your name is called, you've got to be ready, and Benjamin had made the most of his opportunity. That's exactly right. I mean, as a youth football coach, this is what I tell the kids all the time. Like, if you don't like where you're at, just you know, prepare, and when you get your opportunity, make the most of it, and that's exactly what Eno did. And now... Um, everybody feels good about these next couple weeks. Um, I mean, obviously you'd love to have Chase out there, um, but, you know, if, if he's not able to go and it doesn't appear he's probably going to be able to go this week, you feel comfortable about him getting some reps in the backfield and being able to make some plays and fight for those hard yards and break some tackles. I mean, he he really looked explosive. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, that was my favorite play of the game. I mean, anytime you see a running back take it to a defender like that, uh, you just got to love it. And the thing is, he also started playing on special teams, and that's going to get you active. And, and and the thing is, you know, obviously pass protection when the, when you know you're the least less safety net for the quarterback, he's getting better there. Obviously, it's more about technique because based on his size. But he also is very fluent catching the ball out of the backfield. You, another guy that when he gets in the open field, he's going to make a guy miss. So I'm excited, but I also think that he really put the work in and now mentally and physically he knows what the grind is to be a professional football player well let's hear from benjamin specifically how his teammates reacted to that first career touchdown we've been working at this for quite some time and everyone um was just kind of excited to see me get my chance and um and, and the reactions was was just that we saw DeAndre Hopkins obviously inactive on Sunday, but he was out there among the first players and among the first that was not in uniform as far as going to Eno Benjamin or James Conner. And I think does it does speak to how well you're received in that locker room because as much as you want your own personal success, sometimes you are more proud when someone else gets that success yeah, and it also shows how great this locker room is I mean when guys who are unable to play because I've been on, on teams where guys are inactive they're injured and they just sit on the bench the entire game like they don't even want to be there these guys are up on the sidelines they're celebrating with their teammates um, because they're happy for their success they see the work they put in they want these guys to do well and it's just a completely unselfish team a, a group of guys that genuinely wants uh, the their teammates to succeed and make big plays and, and you just love to see that and you know the energy on the sidelines is just so impressive throughout the beginning part of this season and you could hear the reaction when we played the locker room and Kingsbury giving game balls I think the biggest reaction was Eno Benjamin and being recognized in front of him, in front of the entire team so that's what you like to see to your point Kyle about the respects and everyone wants to be on a winning team and everyone wants to be able to contribute. The Dave Patch Podcast, episode 15, coming up later on this week. In fact, premiering on Wednesday with Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph to catch up on past episodes. Follow the Dave Patch Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rayo, Luke Avanibosh, and Mike Jarecki. When we come back, 
the defense and what they were able to do against the San Francisco 49ers in Week 9. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Drop straight back to throw, in trouble, steps up, and sacked by Golden at the 46-yard line. Marcus Golden having a heck of a season. Shotgun snap, Garoppolo three-step drop. Steps up, gets hit, and sacked back at about the 13-yard line by Marcus Golden. When you need a play, 44 is there for the takedown on a five-yard loss. Garoppolo takes the shotgun snap, short set. In the pocket, gets hit by Golden, sacked again at the 40-yard line. Have a day, Marcus Golden. Three sacks as he takes down Garoppolo. Start barking. (laughs) Marcus Golden once again. Third time in the last four games, Marcus Golden has recorded at least two sacks. The three sacks, a career high, part of a defensive effort against the 49ers. Cardinals win 31-17, and we're talking about it here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rayo, Luke Alvandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki look at Marcus Golden since coming back midseason a year ago. 12 sacks in 18 games. Doesn't get talked a lot about earlier in the year. It was J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones. Don't forget about Buda Baker. But quietly and maybe needing a little bit more recognition because it's deserved, Marcus Golden has really stepped up his game. Absolutely. And I don't know if he stepped it up because he's always That's the, true. He's always the same guy, right? Like you know what you got with Marcus Golden on the football field. And I, I love watching him play. I mean, he's a completely different player type of pass rusher than Chandler Jones is he he gets the ugly sacks right he gets the effort sacks I mean you watch the sacks he had in this game and there's a pile of offensive linemen on his back and somehow he's getting the quarterback around the waist like he's not he's not necessarily winning with these uh, amazing pass rush moves he's winning with all-out effort sometimes crawling um, on the ground getting up getting held um, having a guy on him and getting the quarterback down. And, and those are the kind of guys you rally behind. And it wasn't just the sacks, MJ. Three tackles for loss, five tackles total, three quarterback hits. So it's not just getting to the quarterback, but it's disrupting the entire offense, whether it's the quarterback or the ball carrier. Yeah, and if you recall, when Chandler and Marcus were together, Marcus had 12.5 sacks that year and Chandler had 10.5. And, and so now he's, now he's set the bar. And, you know, obviously the more the merrier, but – uh, again, he's the glue of the defense. Um, you know, it, it sounds like they want to give him some more playing time, but getting Chandler back, the way Kennard's kind of setting the edge, they're bringing in Dennis Gardeck on the NASCAR package. So, um, again, last year with Chandler Jones going down, they had close to 50 sacks, and they're probably on pace to get there again. So, yeah, I just you got to like the way that Vance Joseph calls a game. He puts his, his players in good position to make plays. But Golden, he just wins a lot of one-on-one matchups. I mean, I I, th- I think Kyle, Kyle's right. I mean, it may not be pretty, but he gets there. And if he's not making the play, somebody else is making the play, especially when, when it came to the run game. Golden's nine sacks leads the team. And what the defense was also able to do was stop the 49ers' rushing attack. 39 rushing yards allowed. That was a season-low performance for the defense allowed on Sunday. On that run game, as far as stopping the run, here is the aforementioned Marcus Golden. 
we expected to come out here and stop this run, man, and be nasty. That's the type of defense we are. That's how we are in practice every day. That's how we are in the meeting rooms, getting getting our assignment done and, and overstudying, knowing that we're doing our job the right way. So that's the type of stuff we expect. We expect to come out there when we work hard and we expect to get great results. That defense was not able to stop the run the first time around against the 49ers, and there were only 11 rushing attempts but you talk about Vance Joseph preaches and that every week it's stop the run, stop the run, make a team one-dimensional. Well, you can't get more one-dimensional than 11 rushing attempts versus 40 pass attempts. Well, and perhaps there's no week that you need to execute that plan more than San Fran week, right? Because that's their whole thing. they got to get the run started in order to get their passing game going. They're not a team that's going to drop back you know, 45 times and beat you that way. They're a team that needs to... Um, beat you up on the ground, get your guys, you know, playing up in the box, and then try to throw some balls over the top with the play-action pass. And um, from the beginning, I mean, the, the 11 attempts is a product of two things. One, they stop the run early. Secondly, all you've got to do is stop the run early and get up, you know, two touchdowns, 17 points like we did, and they need to start to abandon that run game real quick. If I told you guys that Marcus Golden only played 28 snaps, 47%. I mean, you talk about our turnout investment. And in, in Canard, they say they want to get him more time, but it was nine. And I think it's lots, a lot based on their formations, their tight ends. And Chandler Jones, he played 49 snaps. But 28 snaps, and the numbers you mentioned, three sacks and 28 snaps. That's pretty impressive. And his third or his final two sacks happened in the second half when you can make that team one-dimensional and they're forced yes. to throw the football and then of course you know you get that pin years back cliche and that's what defenders like to be able to do especially late in the contest but going into Sunday's game Marcus Golden was made available to the media and he talked about this 49ers game and looking forward to it because in his words it was nasty football well he explained what he meant by that post game I meant it like uh, old school football, man. When you line up, you know they're gonna, the quarterback going to be on the center and, and the lineman going to come at you. You're going to have to set the edge. You're going to have to stop the run first before you can even get the chance to rush the passer. So that's what I mean by nasty football. And um, that's what they tried to do at first when we got out there and we was a little nastier today. And um, we take pride in that. We don't see a lot of nasty football played anymore where it's two backs, two wide receivers, quarterback under center, and we're just going to run the football. And it's not what, you know, for sure the national perception is of this team. Um, You know, this team plays hard. This team plays physical. And it's Marcus Golden and it's Buda Baker. And it's, I mean, really everybody's throwing their bodies around. We just talked about, or I just talked about how on offense, you know, there's 11 guys and they're all blocking down the field on these screen plays. I love watching and this is the way the game should be played, but I love watching defense alignment make plays down the field. I love watching our safeties come up and how quickly they close and make tackles. I love seeing Buda Baker. The game is out of hand, and he's throwing his body around like that play is, is going to be the game-winning play. Um, it's it's really the total approach of this team, and it's it, it, there's no drop-off from – you know how hard this offense is playing to how hard this defense is playing and and it's it's come it, it it's taken this team out of holes in games because there has been periods of time where the offense um for whatever reason isn't clicking and the defense steps up and the defense makes big plays and and this team is capable of winning in a lot of different ways the good news is he's under contract next year and they only give up a six round pick for him yes and that's the ability of a general manager who 
doesn't get talked enough about in the offseason a lot of talk but general manager steve kime deserves a lot considering marcus golden james connor connor was not an early free agent signing it was a month into free agency before they signed him and look what he did on sunday jordan phillips also had a sack chandler jones no we did not forget about him more on the arizona cardinals sack king when we come back this week episode seven of cardinals folktales entitled cards go hollywood premieres on wednesday on the cardinals youtube channel go to youtube.com slash az cardinals a look at the hit movie jerry Maguire and the role the cardinals played in its production go to youtube.com slash az cardinals for all episodes of cardinals folktales the defense certainly put on a performance on sunday but the biggest highlight perhaps franchise squad excuse me belong to Chandler Jones. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Second and five of the 18, shotgun formation again. Three receivers, two left, one right. Snap to Garoppolo. Drops back to throw. In trouble. Steps up and gets hit and down he goes. Chandler Jones was leading the way. They give Chandler Jones a full sack. He's the record holder. Chandler Jones, the all-time sack king for the Arizona Cardinals. You should have seen the locker room when we announced that. They went crazy. Now the all-time sack leader in the history of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, it brings joy every day. You know, he's always smiling. He's always into it. And what a phenomenal run he's had here. That elusive one more sack needed finally happened on Sunday in the second quarter. Chandler Jones breaks Freddie Joe Nunn's all-time franchise sack record that stood for 29 years. Jones, by the way, in case you might have missed it, paid tribute to Nunn by wearing a shirt honoring him under his uniform on Sunday. Actually had that shirt on the previous week against the Green Bay Packers. But finally, Chandler Jones with 67 sacks in just 76 games. Here is the Chandler Jones, the all-time Cardinal sack king. I'm smiling right now, honestly. Yeah, and I, and I feel I feel really good. It's a, it's a great feeling, honestly. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to go call my family and talk to them about it. I'm pretty sure they're posting everything and, and everything. But um, it's a great milestone for me personally. Uh, hopefully we can keep that going. It's the one time that I can remember, MJ, in which Chandler Jones has been a little bit maybe more open about an individual mark slash record. He always dismisses and just says, you know what, I want to do better than I did the previous season. But this one, and you could hear post game, this one meant something to him. Well, when he addressed the media last night, or last night, last week, when somebody asked him, are you frustrated? And initially he said no. And then at the end of it, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah, yeah, I'm frustrated because he looks at Baker Mayfield in that game. He was out with COVID, how long he was holding the football. He probably got a couple sacks there. And then against the, 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 the te- uh, Texans, he probably got a sack there. And then you're thinking you're not going against David Bakhtieri at left tackle. Um, but, yeah, th- I, I would agree with that. Usually it's a one game at a time or, you know, sacks come in bunches. But I'm glad he got that monkey off his back. And it was a great tribute to Freddie Joe Nunn. Here's Freddie Joe Nunn, 66 and a half sacks and 131 games. Chandler Jones, 67 in 76 games. It's been a quite a remarkable run for Chandler Jones. Yeah, and Kyle can attest the game was much different when Freddie Joe Nunn was playing, correct? More yeah. more rush. I mean, they were playing in the NFC East. Here they're passing more, so you would anticipate he would get more sacks with less games. 
Right, but for as long as the record stood, um, you know, Chandler's going to be at the top of that list for the foreseeable future. And, and you know, a, as a player, um, you don't talk about things like this. You you know, it's not necessarily even on your radar a lot of the time, but to get the validation of a, of a tremendous career, and I'm not talking like it's the end of his career. I mean, he's still got a lot of good football ahead of him. Um, but to get records and reach milestones um, – and, and it really couldn't come, uh, like they talked about, couldn't happen to a better guy. For, uh, again, you know, I guess it's probably the theme of the show because I keep talking about it. It shows the tremendous character of this locker room and the people in it that when he got the record, he took time not to pound his own chest, but to pay tribute to the history of this game and to one of its greatest players. Yeah, great gesture. And the fact that, you know, they gave up Jonathan Cooper. Obviously, he got hurt. They were going to move him to center that offseason, and they gave up. Uh, second, what a second round pick and Jonathan Cooper for Chandler Jones and uh, nothing against Belichick, but clearly Steve Kime won that trade. That sack happened in the second quarter. What also happened in the second quarter, in fact, it happened on the previous possession in which the Cardinals were on offense, the quote-unquote friendly banter between head coach and Josh Norman. Here is head coach Cliff Kingsbury. I thought they were both on me, and I, I was getting ejected, so I'm glad they weren't. But, no, that, that was just kind of a misunderstanding. i, I got to keep my composure better and can't call the ref the things I called him, but um, luckily it worked out for us. How often do opposing players yell at a head coach? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think i think I got that youthful exuberance, I think, that attracts it sometimes. All right, we will ask who played the game. Kyle Vandenbosch, how often does a head coach get into a quote-unquote friendly banter, as Kingsbury said on Monday, the day after? That's how he described the conversation. But how many times have you seen it, if at all? I've seen it. I've seen it with a couple of my coaches. I've seen it with uh, probably both of the Harbaugh's. I mean, anytime a player chirps at a coach, I mean, I, the player shouldn't be doing that. And quite honestly, it was about the only contribution Josh Norman made to the game. Um, <laughs> he got benched, didn't play the rest of the game. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I believe, Cliff, I mean, you have relationships with players and it's always I, I mean, some of my best friends on other teams, we would talk trash and it was never, you know, there's never any ill will. So I think it was probably misinterpreted at that moment. Um, but what happened before that with Cliff running onto the field and and, you know, getting after the officials and, and protecting his players, you love to see that as, as a, you know, as a sideline when your head coach is going to bat for you and he's out there fighting for you know, for your success, for your safety, um, you know, you, you rally behind a head coach like that. He was felt that Rondell Moore, that there was a face mask or something, the tackle that was made on the field, he thought a flag should have been thrown. And what I also like, Kyle, was D.J. Humphreys entering the mix, not knowing what was going on, but seeing an opposing player stand up to his head coach and always the protector, D.J. Humphreys, protects the quarterback. He's going to protect the head coach. Yes, and again, I mean, you love that. You love guys. I mean, we always just have a motto with our defensive line that you fight one of us, you fight all of us. And it, it's like it, that's the approach this team has. I mean, it's like they love every other person in this locker room and they're going to protect them. And um, and it's still, you know, the perception of this team with the national media and what people think of us, It's it's it feels like it's us versus the world because people don't believe in us. We're the only ones that believe in ourselves. So we've got to go out there and play together and back each other. Yeah, you know, I love listening to Wolf, and recently he said, well, that's not a good example for the players. I'm like, this doesn't happen every week. I mean, he, I know he, he was on the field earlier in that game, and they eventually threw a flag, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, but, so uh, listen, 
you don't want to see your players do that, but I think the players respect the fact that he was that passionate about something and he wanted to make sure his his voice was heard. And, you know, whether he gets respect on game day or not, um, I, I just like that Cliff Kingsbury. I like the fact he's showing passion and he's, he's not going to back down and the players back him up, and I think that goes a long way in the locker room. He's been more emotional, at least what we've seen on the sidelines here in year three. Cardinals 8-1 and one this week back home at State Farm Stadium. They'll host the Carolina Panthers. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. It is a Panthers team that is struggling. Lay have lost 5 of 6 after 3-0 and starts. Sam Darnold, some question on whether he'll play this week. Hurt his right shoulder, underwent an MRI on Monday. They put their starting left tackle and starting center on injured reserve. It is a offense that does have Christian McCaffrey, although he is now, this will be his second game after missing five contests. But this is a team, Kyle, that always seems to give the Cardinals fits. You go back to when local hero, local boy Kyle Allen beat the Cardinals and then uh, when Buda Baker missed the Week 2 contest, I think it was, and the Cardinals lost in Carolina, they've lost five straight to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think this is a well-coached team. Like you said, uh, Christian McCaffrey, always a threat, right? And he's just getting his legs back underneath him, so um, he can be a game-changer. Um, you know, they've got good receivers, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Um, they can both break the game open. I think the biggest thing, look, this is a team in turmoil. This is a team that looks like they're a mess. They've got injuries. They've got issues on the sideline. They've got issues in the locker room. Um, but just look at last week. You look at Buffalo, Green Bay, Dallas, and the Rams, right? Anybody can, you know, have a letdown. Anybody can lose in any given week. Some for familiar faces back this week, Hassan Reddick, who's got eight and a half sacks, and Zane Gonzalez is kicking and kicking very well for Carolina. Single game tickets on sale now. Visit azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Kyle Vandenbosch, Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. Can the Cardinals move to 9-1 and one on the season? It is every Tuesday throughout the year, 11 a.m. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.